Hey, everybody. This is part two of our two-part episode with Tony Dudzik called 20 Questions with Tony Dudzik. <laughs> he is a wonderhead, super brain, encyclopedic knowledge, guitar master guy. <laughs> well, he just knows a lot of stuff. So hopefully you enjoy the second part of this episode. Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. We good, everybody? Yeah. I got more. This is good. This is good. This is fun. Keep it going. Can I All ask right. you a question? Question, question number, number 11. 11. <laughs> these what? go to 11. That's right. Question 11. What is your very best impulse buy? If you can look back and dig that up. I got I to gotta, I gotta dig deep for that. Uh, yeah, I've got a good one for that because it, it was an impulse buy. Um, I was uh, in in a well, we just kind of a throw together band. We were doing some recording, and I needed a decent electric guitar because I had just moved down to Columbus, and I think I brought one or two guitars, if that, maybe Whoa. an acoustic. I, I mean, I, there there was a time uh, when I just. I, I don't know. I, I I just I after the last band I was in up in Youngstown broke up. I just said, yeah, I had enough of this. Um, so we got together with some buddies and we we're doing some recording. And I think the best guitar I bought uh, was from uh, I don't know. It was Market. Uh, yeah, Caltown was open, so it, I got it at Caltown Music, Mark Chatfield's place here in Columbus before it moved to Las Vegas, and. Um, I didn't know what I wanted, but it, it actually turned out to be a great thing. Um, it was a Japanese Tele Custom. So it was like a 60s Custom that was a basic Tele, but it had binding. Oh, wow. So not the big guard one, just a standard one. Uh, but somebody had popped EMGs into it. So I was just like, eh, I don't really like EMGs, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I've got the original pickups back here. Uh, I'll give you 50 bucks credit for the EMGs and put these in for you. I said, okay, deal. Wow. And um, so it was, it was a really, you know, that's, that's another one of those guitars that I wished that I would have kept, but it was a truly an impulse buy. I, I mean, I, I didn't know what I wanted, but that one, it was candy apple red. It stood out and the price was very good um, at the time. And, uh, and, and that's, that, that was, I think that was the best one. Thank you. That's, Perfect. That's the answer. Perfect. Okay. Question number 12. Why does a very small measurement, meaning scale length between a Gibson and a Fender, make such a difference in string feel? Well, I mean, obviously, the shorter the scale length, the slinkier the, the strings feel. Why is that obvious? Well, I guess maybe it's not obvious. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. It was, that was that was I mean, a challenge. Yeah. Like, why is it not obvious? Well, uh, the distance between the nut and the bridge. Right, but we're only shorter, talking about. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's like mean, twenty-five and a half versus twenty-four and three quarters. So yeah, three quarters of an inch. Right. Um, it. It. Yeah. But I hear you mention you reference that quite a bit, and and I hear uh, there there are lots of other players that um might talk with it or like. You know, especially if you're switching out guitars mid-set. I have a couple different guitars. I've got Gibson Link, Gibson Scale, and mm -hmm. Fender Scale that I play in the same show. Right. Um, I don't particularly seem to 
be throw super thrown off by that. Um, but I know that is an issue for some people, and especially you, you reference uh, string tension and and feel. Right. So just curious, like, what are your more thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I to me, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up, you know, with fenders for the most part, and you always use ten to forty six. That was standard, you know, light gauge slinkies, and um, that that always worked pretty well for me, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm finding nowadays that uh, that I, on the shorter scale lengths, like a Gibson scale length, I like to go to, you know, 11 to 48s. And then on um, things like Jaguars or Mustangs or whatever, the 24-inch scale length, um, I like to go 12 through 50, I think is what the, uh, what the standard set is. And the reason for that is, to me, those various scale lengths feel about the same. I mean, like if you're bending strings uh, or if you're, you know, doing heavy cording, power chords, whatever, the strings to me feel the same from each of those scale lengths. So if you were to, to put, you know, tens on a, a 24 inch scale length guitar, um, you'd be, I mean, in my case, I would be bending the strings every time I played them because I have a heavy left hand. Right. And so I need a little more, fight from the guitar on especially uh-huh. on a shorter scale length um so the short you know the, the the basic rule of thumb is the shorter the scale length the looser or the slinkier the feel on the strings so you have to bump that gauge up a little bit gotcha and i, I mean and then you're and then you're talking about you know a relatively small amount you were talking going from 10s to 11s to 12s and it's all you know these are you know fractions hundredths of an inch yeah but they do make a difference. It does make a difference. Sure does. Cool. Excellent. Next Tony question from Jared. Jared, go. I say words. <laughs> <laughs> what question are we on, Todd? We are on question number 13. Ooh. Ooh lucky 13. Ooh, lucky 13. So, all right, man. Question 13, my friend. Tell us about you know, the importance of the radius of the, of the neck. In the form of a question, please. <laughs> what is this, Jeopardy? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with the <laughs> radius of the neck? There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. <laughs> well, I... Keeping us in line. <laughs> yes, rules is rules. Um, I think uh, it, it really depends on the style of play. Like a lot of rhythm players like uh, a smaller radius, meaning more round. So like... Vintage fenders are uh, typically seven and a quarter inch radius. So if you drew a circle that was seven and a quarter inches in diameter, um, or radii, seven and a quarter radius, that's right. Okay. So it's actually, it would be 14 and a half inches in diameter. Ah. Um, and chopped off the section, the width of the fretboard, that would be the curvature of the top of the fretboard and of course the frets that sit into that. So a lot of rhythm players are more comfortable with that curve. Cause you have to get your, most of your hand around it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. It's a little more it's, comfortable. Yeah. Whereas a lot of lead players like it flatter. And I think, uh, you know, that's why a lot of them gravitate towards uh, Les Pauls and Gibsons in general, because they use a 12 inch radius. So the, f- instead of a, a, a curve, it's a, it's much flatter. And I think, you know, Fender has settled over the years. Uh, the modern Fender radius is like nine and a half, which is a little bit flatter, not quite as flat as a, as a, uh, as a Gibson, um, but it is, 
you know, certainly flatter than, than the vintage ones. So I think that was, that's a good middle of the road. And, you know, depending on how much, you know, what style of playing you're playing, what style of playing you're playing. Why? There you go. Oh, yeah. There that's a good, um, it really, you know, it can either help a little bit, the flatter the radius, if you're doing a lot of lead work, uh, or, you know, if you're doing a combination, probably the nine and a half is good. Or if you're doing mostly rhythm work, seven and a quarter is probably right for you. Solid question, my man. It's probably one of the best ones yet. <laughs> okay. Question number 14, not material. Why does it matter? <laughs> Why not? Why shouldn't it matter? Mm. That's my question to you, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, I mean, we talked earlier about what uh, what Sean did with my guitar, and that's a is is a bone nut. Uh, comes I don't know if it's camel bone, cow bone, whatever. Um, I believe it is bovine. Bovine in nature. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies over the years have switched to a plastic. I mean, the the traditional material for a long, long time was, was bone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, that is an upgrade from a standard nut, uh, which you'd find, you know, a plastic, even on Gibson's, on Martin's, they've developed some really good plastics. Even uh, there's a material called, called Tusk. Yep. T-U-S-Q. Um, Graftech. Graftech makes yeah, it. Yeah. And it's a very, very dense um, plastic material um, and then in some cases, some of the graph tech stuff, they actually make it out of graphite, which is great for, um, uh, if you have a tremolo, because it kind of lubricates the string through the nut. A lot of times, uh, with, with trem systems, strings get hung up in the nut slots Yeah, and the, and the, the graphite ones are really good for letting that slide through. I mean, back in the day, everything was brass. I mean, that was, that's what you wanted for maximum sustain, brass bridge, brass nut. And it also deadened the tone in my opinion. So there's a lot of guitars out there. I mean, I've seen some really great Les Pauls. Softer material. I think the thought was metal makes it ring more like a brass bell or cymbal or something like that. Uh, I don't think that it ever really worked. I mean, there's still people that swear by that, but I've seen, so many really nice Les Pauls that, you know, have been switched over. And luckily brassified. You can, yeah, brassified indeed. And, you know, luckily you can change that back pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the material, I mean, sticking with, you know, like a natural material like bone um, is always a safe choice. Um, but if you're doing things with, with trems or whatever, uh, anything that is, you know, Fender used a roller nut at, at one point in time, with their trim systems. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, it, I guess that helps a little bit. I don't know how necessary that is. Um, the fender pluses that I, that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I have a few of, they have the rollers. Yeah. And I've really never had a tuning issue with those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they're pretty I, decent. I mean, I think like, you know, I think more of the issue happens at the bridge end. I, I agree. Um, so a roller bridge works better than a roller nut, but you know, every little bit, as long as it doesn't kill the sustain, I, right. I think you're okay. But you know, for my money, I'm, I mean, I'd go, uh, the safe choice is a, is a bone nut. Yeah. And that's a pretty, I guess, maybe one of the first easier upgrades that you can do on a guitar because chances are, if you bought it brand new, it, it's got a plastic nut on it. Mm-hmm. But from just about any major manufacturer, obviously, if you're buying a boutique guitar, 
you know, those things may vary and I'm sure you can get that requested. But, uh, if you're buying something from a, from a, a major brand in most cases, unless actually specified, it's going to be plastic almost regarding, regardless of, oh, yeah. of yeah. how great. Oh, like I said, Martins and Gibsons, is. I mean, they, 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 they're plastic nuts. I mean, it's a, a, a form of plastic, but right. You know, there's, you know, I don't think other than maybe at the custom shop, they don't, you know, right. they, they wouldn't use anything. Right. But and that's plastic. actually a pretty affordable upgrade. Hey, go Jared. We're on question number 15, aren't we? Yes, we are. We're almost there. So I want to go back in time uh, to the Gibson eras. And I've kind of always wondered this, but maybe you have better insight on this than I do is, you know, let's talk about the big honking harmonica bridge. (laughs) Remember those things? Oh, yeah. Why did we usually see those on the, you know, not the upper echelon Les Paul models because you... I don't think you really saw any of those on the Les Paul Deluxe, you know, custom standard. You more you more so saw those on the SGs, on the L6S, uh, those type of models. Is it because of a radius thing? You know, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I think the one thing is uh, the harmonica bridges probably were more adjustable. Yeah. Uh, so longer the, the longer yeah. throw, you know, you can move the, the, the saddles back and forth. Uh, a wider distance, and that that might be why Gibson switched over to that at the time. Um, Looked awful, man. They, it did look strange. I mean, you know, it's called a harmonica bridge because it's it looks like the side of a harmonica with the mm-hmm. with the big slots and the holes and everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, occasionally you see them pop up on Les Pauls, but by and large, you know, they you know on deluxes and things like that, they stuck to the original recipe i think they used a you know an abr type bridge yeah and um and and that looks to me that looks better it doesn't you know say look at me i'm a bridge i believe they went to like goto made in germany stuff in the in the early mid 70s i think they were made by schaller okay uh, in germany yeah and you're right and uh then they went to nashville bridge or whatever but it's the same bridge pretty much Right. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's like I said, the difference between that and a, like an ABR is the the throw of the of the of the yeah. saddles. Yeah. And there's a, I think, uh, is it Cluzon or WD? Uh, well, I guess WD owns Cluzon now. Uh, they they reissued the harmonica bridge. So if anyone's looking for one out there, you can check that out. And that's the only replacement one that I think I've seen in years. And on the subject, also. Um, the old bone uh, saddles. Hmm. What do you think of those? Well, I don't think they were bone. I think they were actually nylon. I think you're right. I think the nylon ones, and, and to me that is, um, it's counterintuitive to me. Yeah. I mean, to me, nylon kind of deadens the sound. I think from a, uh, a string wear standpoint, the nylon is better. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I think by and large... I mean, I'd much rather have a, a hunk of metal there instead of uh, instead of nylon. Awesome. Great question, Jared. Next question. What is the advantage of angled pickup positions on the guitar? Like a Mos, Mos right? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Not, not, Telecaster. Not tilted to follow the strings. Not tilted. But, but uh, angled. Angled. Well, um, I mean, the logic behind it. And and on a ton of Japanese '60s guitars, yeah, 
Yeah, they did a lot of that. They, the, the, the Japanese did some incredibly interesting things in mm-hmm. the 60s. Um, I, I think the logic behind it is closer to the bridge, the brighter the sound. Mm-hmm. So that's why, um, I mean, I guess if I were designing a Strat, let's say, I think I would flip it around like a voodoo Strat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the opposite directions. So you pick up some brightness on the bass strings, but lose some of the brightness. But the way a standard Strat is set up, I mean, it just really emphasizes the brightness on the treble strings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, I think, the difference. And um, in, in the case of a Moserite in the neck position where it's angled that way, I think they they were trying to correct, make the bass strings boomier and the and the treble strings a little bit brighter mm. in the in the in the in the neck position. Interesting, interesting. So you're gaining. Fr- so so, I think it's just change. You know the the frequency the response tone. and the tone yeah. of the pickup. Um, but yeah, there's some cool things that you can do. I mean, that's and that's a great way, especially if you have like a strat with a uh, a swimming pool route, uh, which means it's you know a big rectangle yeah. underneath the pickguard. You can change things around and, and experiment with different things and, and even move things around a little bit. Uh, classic examples like the Robbie Robertson Strat, where he uh, moved his uh, his middle pickup right up against the bridge pickup at the same angle. So it kind of was almost like a humbucker configuration in, in that position. Mm-hmm. It looks really cool too, but it's, 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 it's just one of those things. I think different players have tried different things. Yeah. I've heard that another really great way to, to modify a strat is to get a Telecaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how you upgrade a strat. <laughs> I mean, as far as that goes, you could, you could buy a neck pickup that says neck pickup on the pickup, put it, you know, down in the prids bridge position it'll sound like a bridge pickup it's it's a bridge pickup it's all about where you put that pickup yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely there was even you know i don't know if you remember that was it the gibson grabber or ripper bases oh yeah the they rippers, had the, they yeah. had a, a slide you could actually slide the pickup uh, well that came from the dan, the, the dan armstrong that dan armstrong right. that's right the monkey yeah. stick yeah yeah all right. Well, we all agreed on that came from Dan Armstrong. Well, uh, thanks, and, Dan. And for those who, who aren't aware of the guitar that we're referencing, um, it, you might have seen uh, it's it's, it's a, the, the acrylic. It's clear. Uh, it's a lucite guitar. Yeah, Keith Richards play, played one. Yeah, and, a lot uh, of people and did. many other people. Uh, but it, it was it was just like a pretty innovative instrument at the time. And heavy. And heavy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Jared, go ahead. Is this let's, 17? This, 17. Let's, let's do 17, man. So I already know how I feel about this. And let me ask you, how do you feel about wax potting? Waxed or not waxed? In oh. 80% of the cases, I would say wax potting makes sense. But if you're trying to replicate the sound of, say, like a, like a Gibson Mini Humbucker, Oh, my goodness. You can't get the same sound. I mean, there's a certain amount of magic that happens from the wires rattling around against each other inside. Slight, that slight harmonic yeah. whistle. Just yeah. very so, ever so slight. So, yeah. for I mean, for my money, I guess wax potting makes sense um, for most can we Can we explain what that is real oh, quick? Oh, sure. Wax potting is when you take a finished pickup and you dip the whole thing in a heated pot of wax about 150 degrees and what that does is it fills the whole pickup 
all the voids and whatnot, and it and it just encases everything and seals everything together so that nothing in that pickup is loose at all that would create um, really loud, squealy, harmonic feedback in a bad way. Mm. And when we're talking about this mini humbucker here, those are super prone to having uh, that harmonic feedback. But if you're if you're not if it's not a going through a potent amplifier and it's not overdriven, even still clean, you can still kind of get a slight harmonic feedback and use those um, things that are you know use that sound as an advantage. Yeah, a lot of people think they have a bad pickup. They or call it microphonic. That's right. Which really means it's it acts like a microphone, right? Because they see if you tap on it, it's like you were would, really loud. You know, tap on a microphone, exactly. So it's you know, so it, it is interesting. Um, yeah, the the potting does solve that type of problem, but I think it also changes the characteristics of the pickups too. It can, mm. and not necessarily the overall you know tone, but it. I agree. It can change the overall frequency response. Hmm. And there's other things you can pot with too. Of course, there's lacquer potting. There's uh, epoxy potting. <laughs> Not a good idea uh, any yeah, day of the week. Like on the L6S. Yeah, right. a lot of the Bill Lawrence stuff was epoxy oh, yeah. potted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's unfixable. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Number eighteen, Tony. Yes. Why don't we see more neck through guitars? That that's actually a really good question. Um, that's why I said it. Yes, I know. You know, back in the eighties, maybe the seventies, that was the thing. I mean, you know, we had the neck through and wings glued onto the side. In fact, um, I, I would go back as far as the late fifties and sixties. Rickenbacker, of all places, uh, actually, that was their their deal. A lot of their older models were, you know, start to finish, one piece of wood, got tuners. I mean, that's essentially what the Les Paul was starting out with. Well, oh yeah, the log. Yeah, the yeah, log. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that that really, and it makes sense because you've you've got the bridge and the strings going to the nut and the tuning machines all on one piece of wood. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason that, you know, it, the, that hunk of wood will resonate better, I mm-hmm. guess, as opposed to bolting on a neck or gluing in a neck. Right. And, um... You know, I, I don't know why there aren't more. I mean, I think they're probably a little more complicated to make. Um, and in it a, seems like it would be easier to make because you're not worrying about neck break angle and stuff to the degree maybe you are. Yeah, I think you, you have to factor yeah. in all of that stuff. And, and you know, the other I'm part a of it, if, you, if <laughs> you're a luthier, yeah, and that's all I'll Anyways. ever be. Um, no, I think you have to factor in, uh, you know, like the brake angle and different things like that, uh, maybe more so than uh, even, you know, gluing in a neck or, or bolting on a neck. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, you know, you, you, I think your measurements have to be pretty dead on. Yeah, I mean, in the final construction, gluing the wood pieces on the edges and things like that make it a little bit easier. But um, that, that's actually a really good question. I, I, I don't know why more places don't and especially if you're a, a boutique builder i think that makes a lot of sense to offer something like that mm-hmm. but um especially on bass i would imagine i, I, I mean, think that's bass and guitar i mean I, I mean you know you think back to the you know the oh gosh i mean there were so many guitars back then that had that like bc riches and and even martin's solid bodies well, the famous uh Araya basses from uh john taylor 
Oh from, yeah, from yeah, Duran yeah. Duran Duran. I yeah. mean, he kind of like the the stripes and the bass yeah. is like, man, that thing went like crazy. And and those are really nice guitars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you find one used, I mean, it's it's uh, it's bound to be pretty a pretty, pricey, pretty decent instrument too. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Excellent. Are you boutique builders out there? Let's start making some neck throughs. There you go. Tony, Tony, Tony. I, Number 19. 19. Uh, switch gears and go to a, a acoustic guitars. Ah. Uh, so you have an acoustic guitar and it did not come with a pickup system in it. Okay. What, what am I going to get? What kind of pickup system should I buy uh, for my Martin or Gibson or whatever you bought? Wow, that's yeah. There, there are a lot of options now. I mean, back in the you know back in the day, I mean there was like Barkus Berry. Barkus, yeah, Barkus I mean Barry. everybody had the Barkus Berry, or Dean they had Markley. the little yeah the Mar- yep. anything that you know. The, remember the ones you could stick Put on the with sound the sound hole. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Um, you know the the one company that comes to mind and, and has always been consistently good has been Fishman. Yeah. Um, they've, they've really refined their, their line, uh, to include both under saddle as well as internal microphones and the preamp sections are, are actually quite good. Um, I mean, there's some now that they're even doing, uh, you know, the battery pack was always kind of the crazy piece that you had to mount inside the guitar somewhere. And I think they're, they've come up with like hearing aid battery type configuration so that it takes up, you know, less internal space i guess yeah i've I've seen them where they have an internal microphone pointing up out of the sound hole inside of the guitar yeah yeah so and a lot of them combine both that output with the under saddle right and you can blend those two and yeah, i mean there's there's any number of things they also do that with violins that i see yeah i mean there for a long time of course there were you know sound hole pickups that were you know magnetic pickups basically an electric sure. guitar pickup and the biggest problem with those, if you're using uh, bronze strings, is you know the first four strings. If you have a wound G, were duller than the the B and the E string. So I, I remember years and years ago, I had a I, I forget which brand it was, uh, but it was a magnetic sound hole pickup, and I, I just couldn't get it to balance. So I called the company. They said, "Oh yeah, you just have to remove the E and the B uh, pull pieces." Right. And it's just like really, yep. and that I mean, it solved the problem, but it didn't make any sense to me. Diarmon actually made one with. Oh yeah, I think I had one. I I have one that I've repaired that's just sitting around, but yeah, but yeah, it's you know the whole idea to amplify an acoustic guitar is to actually get the acoustic sound amplified, not the actual strings. Yeah, because essentially it turns in, it into an electric guitar, you know, with the magnetic pickups. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd probably Fishman. is Fishman is a safe choice. There are other really good companies out there too, I'm sure, and some very expensive ones that you know are out there as well. But you know, for the money, I think that that's a safe bet. Okay, cool. Okay, last question, Tony. Number make twenty. It, make Number it a good 20. one. Make I'm it try. a good Run one. Run As is many things in life, uh, things what goes around comes around. I think we've seen, uh, we've certainly seen the resurgence of reverb in a huge way. Uh, reverb, the, the sound of reverb, you know, from back in the, uh, the Phil Spector sort of, you know, early 60s, the, everything had reverb. We've seen all the offsets make resurgence. What 
do you think is going to be sort of the next wave of things that we'll see again? That's that's interesting because it's you know as as music styles change. I mean, it seems like everything cycles every 20, 25 years. I mean, in terms of music and fashion and and everything else. I mean, some of the things my daughter listened to, you know, it was, it was the same kind of the same sound as what I was listening to in the eighties. It's 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 interesting. Um, I I I think the traditional shaped guitars, things like Tellys and Strats and and Les Pauls and SGs and P basses and J basses, will always be the standard or the mm-hmm. standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you know as as long as that type of as the style of music lends itself to a guitar. I mean, you know, we've seen things with synth guitars and even the Casio, you know, synth guitar. I have one of those. You have one of those? Yeah. (laughs) You're the guy. (laughs) Yeah, I have one. I bought one just to buy one. I got one. Yeah. So that, you know, I I think that the traditional shapes and styles and sounds, there will always be a need for that. And, you know, by using pedals and, and different amplifiers and even direct injection into a board, uh, you can, you know, maybe change that sound to a, a, a different style of music. But, yeah, I, I don't see, you know, there's a lot of people that are doom and gloomers and say, oh, my God, the guitars are going away. And every every time you th- that I've heard that, you know, a year or two later, there's a new guitar player or a young kid picks up a guitar and, you know, he's, he's you know, suddenly a star and that sort of thing. Um, so I, I don't think that it's going away completely. Um, I mean, as, as, as many people predict. I mean, Kurt Cobain, he kind of brought back the Fender Mustang. Oh, thing. totally. Yeah. You know, even though that, that happened years ago, before that, you didn't really see some, you know, 80s butt rock guy with a Fender Mustang. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean Mustangs were kind of yeah a dying breed yeah. uh, at the time, and and you know, I mean I, I remember when I first started playing, there were Jazz Masters and Jaguars and all these offsets that nobody wanted. You couldn't sell them in the eighties. Right. And I mean my very first real guitar was a a sixty six Jaguar, and it was in like brand new condition, original case. And I think I got it for $175. Can I have it? (laughs) I wish I still had it. Well, Well, the good news is, uh, you know, I I actually used it for a number of years and sold it to a guy for $225. So I made some money. Double. (laughs) Awesome. So, Tony, thank you so much for lending us your brain. Hopefully that was interesting and fun and informative for all of you listeners. It certainly was in here. I learned quite a few things as I always like to do on the show. So hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Really quick, Jared. Well, guys, it's time for Would You Rather? Jim Neighbors. Okay. Okay, guys. So you bought a guitar kit. It is a rectangular guitar body shape. Like a Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley thing. And you have a choice. You are either going to use a Bigsby tremolo or you're going to use a mastery, like, um, Jaguar-type tremolo. Is there uh, the right... What's in the right nomenclature for that? Other than I mean, mastery. I've always called it either Jazz Master Jaguar okay. tremolo. One of those things. Offset. So, <laughs> vibrato. Would you rather have the Bigsby 
or would you rather have mastery? Tony. Well, I mean, uh, between the choice between the two, the mastery is is actually a really nicely machined piece of of metal. Um, that style of tremolo kind of lends itself to a little more. I, 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 it's it's. I mean, Bigsby's can be subtle too, but this it's just it's smoother. It's the the sound out of a Jazzmaster or Jaguar trem to me is always just a smoother sounding. Whereas a a, a Bigsby, you can pretty much only go down, and you don't you know you can't really pull up on it very much. Right. Neither one of them you can do dive bombs or you know squeal climbs right. and that sort of thing. But um, but I, I think I would probably. Yeah, for the you know, if it was a simple, easy choice, I'd go with the mastery setup. Okay, I'm going to ask Jared next. Well, I think I would also like to use the mastery because even though the Bigsby is a very, very good, sturdy, um, you know, reliable tremolo, I really like the way the mastery type, you know, Jaguar type kind of hides all the you know, the magic and the the levers and springs and whatnots underneath. I like how it sits inside the guitar where a Bigsby is, you know, flipped around when you see everything happening on the outside. Mm. So I like the look. Of it's an the easier mastery. install on the Bigsby though. Oh, sure. You just, you just slap it, it right on top. Yeah. And, and you can put it on many different kinds of guitars like Les Paul's and they, they make, uh, you know, kits so you could put them on about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, I like the look, and yeah, the Mastery is a great quality trim. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. All right. I'm going to put a Bigsby on a rectangle because it's just going to look better, period. <laughs> let's, just, let's just be blatant about that. And I think just that kind of look and feel and sound, that's all I need. That'd be cool. I'd be good with that. All righty. Maybe I'll paint it checkerboard. There you there go. It is. That would there actually right be there. freaking cool. Are you gonna, I'm yeah. going to make that. That sounds awesome. I like this. You got <laughs> you got to router the sides, too, and give it that nice... With the German carve? Yeah. A box with the German Ooh, carve yeah. and the Bigsby painted yeah. checkerboard. Ooh, man, that's yep. wild. Okay. <clears throat> Tony. Well, at this time of the show, we like to thank some very special people. If you go to patreon.com... You can learn how to become a sponsor of this or a patron of this uh, of this program. One dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, and up. Oh yeah, I mean you can, and, and each level has really nice prize packages and different things like that. But at the five ten. at the ten dollar level, <laughs> you become you become an executive producer. And one of the benefits of being an executive producer, Jared, is you get to have your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Great. So without further ado, we would like to thank our executive producers, Tom Barazin, Martin Cliff, David Wolfson, Matt Brammer, Carlos Mancha, Pete Marshall, Derek Fitzer, Robin Smith, John Daly, Oliver Gonzalez, Sean S. Chris Kearney, John Anglin, Robert Marfleet, Darren Gregory, Gary Goodman, Zach J. Wright, and Doug Christ. Thank you all very much. Go to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and find out how you too can become a patron. Thank you. Right. 
And last but not least, Tony, you can be found at Pick Guardian One. Pick Guardian. Well, everywhere. yeah, well, on the social media, it's Pick Guardian One. But uh, go to the website, PickGuardian.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you need. I will be more than happy to make a custom pick guard just for you. Hey, if you need uh, boutique pickups, new and vintage, go to BrandonWildPickups.com. There you go. Beautiful. Jared yep. Brandon. Just and me- you can shoot me a note at Todd at theguitarnobs.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, hope you liked it. I'd uh, love to hear your comments on it. And have an awesome guitar week. Subscribe! Yeah. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. Why don't we... <laughs> <laughs> I've been sneaking them out all night. <laughs> Oh, we're getting punched. Uh, Door shut. You are the smart one, aren't you? (laughs) Do you have any other questions? Because I don't think that's all that great either. Each of those is wrong. And the guitar is a triangle shape. The body is. Maybe it's more of a rectangular shape. I don't know. (laughs) What the hell? I don't think so. I don't think so. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for these knobs please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also be sure to check out our Instagram at guitar knobs. Catch you next time.